What's up, everybody? Energy is Love Podcast. Here we go. My sponsors. Yes, we do have sponsors for the show. We are always looking for more sponsors. If you want to be a sponsor, contact us, energyislovepodcast at gmail.com, or go online to our Facebook page, Energy is Love Podcast. Reach out, become a sponsor, get your message out there. But as far as our sponsors go, we have Crystal Water Float Spa located in Twilla, Utah, crystalwaterfloat.com, or on Facebook at Crystal Water Float Spa. Um, remember, part of the podcast is bringing awareness to floating, and there's no better place to float than crystal water. Get in that tank, sit back and relax, enjoy everything about it, because it's an incredible experience. So if you're here locally in Utah, come and see us. If you're not, go find a tank, get in the water, sit back and relax. You're going to love it. We also have to thank The Bry Man. The Bry Man's been sponsoring small businesses for the past 10 years. The podcast wouldn't be what it is today without the support from The Bry Man. So in the coming weeks and months, we're going to be interviewing some really cool people. And we've already interviewed some really cool people. I love sharing everybody's journey and everybody's story with everybody out there. How many more times can I say everybody? I don't know. Let's see. Everybody? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. It's the Energy is Love podcast. The podcast for what? The universe. Send it out. fucking stay. Hey everybody, Energy is Love Podcast. This is episode number 16. And for this episode, I got to sit down with this super chill guy. His name's Connor Rockhill. He's an energy specialist slash esoteric healer. Um, you can find Connor online at spiritelevations.com as well as on Facebook at Spirit Elevations. In this episode, Connor went in, in depth into a lot of different things. Um, he comes from a school of mystery, a mystery school of the Atlantean culture. I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly, and Connor does a wonderful job explaining it in the episode, but some really interesting belief systems and some different ways of kind of viewing the world and moving through life, and Connor did a wonderful job of sharing that. We got into some really amazing stuff, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It was really in-depth, and by the time we were done with this episode, my brain hurt because we were talking about some really weird, bizarre, deep shit, but it was really, really cool. Um, remember, you can always go find Connor online at Spirit Elevations. He also, um, when we talk about this in the episode, but he, he does these geometric creations out of Organite. And there's some really amazing power behind those things and some different things that those creations can do and help people with. And Connor creates those and sells those and all that kind of stuff. So you can find all of that information on his website and on his Facebook page. But I loved sitting down with Connor. I love doing the show. Energy is love. And I get to sit and bask in it when I talk to these people. And Connor was no different. Super amazing, super cool guy. Energy is love podcast episode number 16 with the super cool, chill, amazing, beautiful hair, by the way, Connor. I don't know if I told you that, but I'm jealous. Growing my hair out. You got kick-ass hair. Episode 16, here we go with Connor Rockhill. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the love podcast. The Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is Love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love podcast. Hey everybody, it's the Energy is Love podcast uh, episode, I don't know which one this is going to be, I think this is episode 16 actually. And today I've got the wonderful, amazing Connor Rockhill sitting down before me. What's up, Connor? Hey, Craig. How's it going? It's good to be here. It's Rockhill, right? Yes. yes. It's not Rockwell. Like... <laughs> A lot of people get Rockwell. So. Well, how are you today, man? Doing good. Doing good. I'm happy to be here. Happy to being able to get out to more people. Cool. First off, give everybody an idea what it is that you do. We'll just start there for the most part. Um, 
So I'm an esoteric energy specialist. Um, I'm also a teacher within the ancient spiritual mystery schools that date back to the Atlantean lineage. Um, a lot of people are more familiar, if any mystery schools, would be the Egyptians and all the temples and the healings that they did in those temples. Also, um, India and Tibet, um, a lot of those sacred megalithic sites that have all these sacred teachings all come from that Atlantean lineage. And the Atlanteans, not necessarily the human race. And so it kind of goes into the history of the mystery schools, but I'm uh, anchored into that lineage and I'm a energy specialist. And mainly what I do is facilitate shifts within one's energy and consciousness um, back to the original vibration and uh, signature that we are as spirit is like a divine blueprint of who we are. So when you say you're anchored to that lineage, what does that mean? Um, like, do you feel like you have ancestral ties and connections to it? No. So we have a thing and it's called initiation. Mm -hmm. um, and what it is, and, and it brings down light and it anchors y the light into you. And so you have, it's like a, it's like a candle per se. Okay. Um, once your candle gets lit, it's all the same flame. Um, that flame is the lineage of Atlantis. And so there's a all it's a universal global mystery school and there's different um, aspects or teachings that they pertain to as like a theme for the mystery school. But when you're initiated and you get anchored into that, you're basically just hooked up to that source. Um, and each within my uh, tradition, we have 12 mystery schools globally. Um, I'm anchored into the Ray of Metatron, which is in the Rocky Mountain region. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you get initiated, you get hooked up to that Ray as well, if it's within the Ray Mystery Schools. So Archangel Metatron um, has all the hierarchy of light behind Metatron. And so we call it the magical Ray or the current or the power. And when you get initiated, you get hooked up to that ray. So you have 10 times more contact with the hierarchy of light and the brotherhood and sisterhood of light um, to better serve mankind, if that makes sense. It does make sense on one hand. And then it sounds incredibly kind of deep and convoluted, not in a bad way, just like there's a lot there. That's very dense stuff. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm still on the more beginning end of my journey. Uh -huh. And so, but I, I have to say, how old are you? That's is what I was wondering before we I'll, met. I will be 23 in August. 23 in August. See, that's why I wanted it. Well, not, that's not the only reason why I wanted to talk to you, but I think you bring a cooler perspective than, I shouldn't say cooler, different perspective than people that have been involved in the realm of spirituality and energy work and all that kind of stuff for the past 20 or 30 years. Cause I think if you're 23 years old, and this is my own personal belief, when you were born, you came into the planet at a different vibration than somebody that say is even my age or you know 60 years old or something like that so you have a different perspective and a different way of working with energy and seeing energy than the current generation would you i mean what do you think i agree and um that goes into some more of our deeper teachings as well as yeah. um, a lot of people are familiar with indigos that is probably the most familiar term is what we call soul colors uh-huh um and there's different aspects per each soul color. So how many soul colors are there? Um, 
I don't know an exact number. Um, and it changes too, because we offer a thing called DNA activation. Mm -hmm. And when you get a full DNA activation, your soul type and your soul color, not your soul type, that's different. Your soul color can change um, pertaining to what you're here to do and um, how you express through. Because in our tradition, um, we have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Um, and a lot of uh, cultures are at a lot of conceptual views and perceptions about spirit and soul. They're kind of intermingled as the same aspect uh -huh. or quality. Um, in our tradition, they're, they're three separate things. So the soul is something that um, is an aspect of an expression. Um, so if you have a, a mission, per se, on this earth, you choose a soul color to express through in this physical world to gain your evolution through and to be who you are in this world, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So when you say in our culture, I want to like clarify just a little bit more for me um, because it kind of sounds like a religion, and I know that it's not, even though it kind of draws similarities from formalized religion. Right. But kind of explain it a little bit further so that not only I can understand more, but the person out there listening Right. And so when I say our culture or our tradition, it's, it's just meaning of the, the teachings and the philosophy and the metaphysical teachings of Atlantis and that lineage and all mystery schools. Um, another familiar one to throw out there would be the Golden Dawn. Um, a lot of people are familiar with more esoteric teachings of Golden Dawn. That's a pretty familiar one as well. Just to give an idea of kind of the background of this very esoteric occult knowledge, and a lot of it has been hidden throughout history, mm -hmm. but we are in the age of Aquarius now where, you know, the dark comes to light and all things hidden come to the forefront for everybody. Um, so it's not just a song? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long have you been involved in this? Um, Would you say your whole life or no, not really? Well, I guess within anchoring into this lineage has been pretty recent, about a year or so now. Mm -hmm. um, but my whole life um, is a different different story. I've 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 always felt something inside me that's almost been like a seed, and I had this knowing. I never knew about this knowing, but there was something in me that that I was. I guess could be my compass in life. And uh -huh. I didn't know that at the time. It, it took me my awakening process to be able to look back and see, oh, wow, you know, this is what I've awakened. It was that seed a long time ago that I never knew what it was. Because but you I, could look back and kind of re-remember and be like, oh, that's what that was. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I would go out through life and school and interacting with people and that reality and like the worldview. I tried to get inside the worldview. I tried to blend in or figure out how to fit, mm -hmm. but it never seemed to work. And whenever I would look at people or I would try and connect, there wouldn't be that connection because I felt like I was alone until I met, you know, uh, a few of my friends that really could like, it felt like they would look back at me. Like I could connect with them and I'm like, oh, wow, whoa, or th there's that connection that I've never been able to get with people in school. Yeah, That started to open up things more and more. And um, I always questioned life. I always questioned religions. My dad, for his master's paper, he did a lot of, he's very cultural, um, uh, 
um, knowledge within culture, I guess. He studied a lot of cultures and yeah, religion. Yeah, just a knowledgeable guy when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, and his final paper for his master's was the relation between Buddhism and physics and how, you know, ancient cultures have had this knowledge of physics that physics didn't know until they later on. And so he did the study of the relation between that and how these ancient cultures knew these the the physics and the mechanics of how our universe kind of works and so i had that background and he grew up from an lds background as well and he was the first i guess black sheep per se and um growing up with that um i was never baptized growing up in utah um known as a mormon state yeah yeah and um but i you know i went to the lds church i went to the christian church i went to a catholic church and I never really dove super deep into the religions because I did see a universal truth there, but um, there was something that didn't fit right. A lot of their teachings and how they acted contradicted things for me. So I was constantly on the search of life. I was constantly questioning what life is, what reality is, what it means to be alive, why we're born here, what are we here to do? And a lot of it was a, a struggle for me because uh, it was such a harsh environment for me, it felt like, to be born into this life with this reality and these circumstances and how the world is and how the people are. And I'm like, well, if there is a God, then why do we have such chaos? Why do we have people that treat each other like crap? Why mm -hmm. am I in this life? Why do I have to deal with this? What did I do? Did I ask for this? I don't feel <laughs> like I asked for this, you know? Yeah. So sometimes I pointed the blame on my parents and I'm like, you're the ones that had me. <laughs> so, you brought me into this. Yeah, way. I'm like, you, you know, you're going to have to deal with the baggage that comes with that. <laughs> so, but I mean, it just took that, just keep seeking and digging and digging until, you know, you find yourself on that journey. And then that seed finally awoken for me. And I'm like, oh, wow, you know, all that, all those questions, all those things and putting the mechanics of life and creation together finally led me to this path. And as soon as I came into the path of the mysteries, um, doors just unlocked for me. Yeah. Some of the deepest questions I've ever had about life and creation and the mechanics of reality and everything just literally just opened up and it was like the light came in and it was just epiphany after epiphany. So, um, I was going to ask you a question, damn it. I lost it now. It was in the back of my mind. As far as like, oh, this is what it was. Did you feel like you had some sort of like cataclysmic event that led to kind of your awakening and embracing this way of life or this way of being and thinking? Or was it more or less just a series of events that kind of led you down this road? Um, that is a good question. Because, um, you know, like some people have, they'll die and they cross over right. after a car accident or something like that. Was it anything like that or was it more just the, like I said, just a series of really cool events and things like that, that looking back, it's easier to kind of correlate and draw things from. But at the time, you're like, this was just a weird thing that happened. Yeah. Um, I never really had any like blunt trauma or any like um, abrupt psychic awake, uh, awakenings or openings uh -huh. like that. Um, I'd say more I got tested. And I'm, I know it was myself, but it was, uh, I feel like I had eyes on me my entire life. I've gotten out of some pretty hairy situations. And uh, even at times when I didn't have faith in God or, you know, it's like I believed in source energy. I believed that there was an energy. I didn't know what it was, but I felt that there wouldn't, there wouldn't be what there is without something. Something else, yeah. Um, I couldn't exactly say what that was, but there was a time when I got in a 
really hairy situation and I broke down on my knees and prayed to some higher power more than myself. I'm like, you get me out of this, I'm yours. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I will do whatever it is. I will serve you. And and you feel like something at that point in time did kind of step in and help you out of that situation? Definitely. Um, and that was that was a big, a big aha moment for me as well is um, because I was in the military at the time and um, yeah, I just got into a really deep rut and that was it for me. Like that was my chance at life. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I broke down and then I, I prayed and, and then a miracle happened. And then that, that miracle really, really opened things up. And then more along this path, when I, when I uh, started awakening, I started seeing how well I've been looked after, how well I've been taken care of. I'm like, there's no way that I could have gotten through all of that by myself. What branch of the military were you in? The United States uh, National Guard Army. Uh -huh. Was that something that, see, I think that everybody's on their own kind of path and journey and all of the experiences that we have lead us to the next moment, to the next moment, and we're always right where we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So looking at that experience of being in the military, do you feel like that that is something that you had to go through in a sense to get to where you're at? I do. Um, or do you look at it as a mistake in any way? No, and I uh, do my best to live with no regrets and learn the lessons from wherever I've been. Mm -hmm. And uh, I definitely do appreciate the time that I did spend. And I think it showed me a lot because, I mean, for two reasons that I joined the military was one, you know, schooling. Parents were harping on me right out of high school. You need to do something. You need to go to college. You need to get a job, whatever it is. Yeah. And so like, I'm like, okay, quick plan, boom, okay. If I retire from the military at 20 years, I can get my doctorate degree in physical therapy and do all these things and uh, serve, you know, uh -huh. whatever that meant to me at that time. And because I've always deep down cared a lot about the people. And if I'm going to live in this environment and I have these views, it's like I want to do my best to try and change it. Um, Was so, that kind of your plan initially? After you, I mean, because everybody graduates high school and then at that point we're supposed to have a plan for the rest of our life. Right. You know, that's an asinine concept. <laughs> but was that kind of your plan? You that, were going to do that? Yeah, and I, uh, that was my plan. Right out of high school, I signed up. I joined the military. I'm like, okay, good plan. 20 years. I got my thing. I'll retire. I'll have good money. I'll be a physical therapist and, you know, be a yeah. doctorate. And uh, and then, you know, how life takes those turns <laughs> on you and you learn more about yourself. And uh, that's kind of what happened. And I'm really grateful because what I did learn about that um, I wouldn't be here without that today. And um, it taught me about a lot about how the world works. And I think that was um, me going into the database of government and uh, how all those things work. Because I learned a lot about uh, the structure of military and how we kind of do things and how the chain of command, per se, I guess, works. Yeah. Um, and then it came to a point where I did not feel comfortable with my views and I guess you could say morals of how I felt about how life should be and what I want to be a part of and uh, being a part of a secret agenda that um, has their own benefits in mind, I guess, uh -huh. and they're using uh, their little puppeteering skills to mask their uh, agenda, per se, I guess, yeah. I, for lack of better words, I guess. <laughs> Um, and so it was time for me to get out and that's when my next chapter of life happened with, I think, uh, 
a lot of the culture now is kind of coming back to, I guess you could say the 70s and the hippies, the the marijuana, the drugs, the psychedelics, you know, uh-huh. and that's the that's the leading point of, I think, when you're lost, you're confused, and you're questioning reality, and you feel like the only people that kind of understand are ones that open themselves up with altering substances. And I was a part of that group and uh, experienced uh, that life, I guess, for myself. And because I didn't know where else to turn. This was before I entered the military as well. So Mm -hmm. I was already in that uh, aspect of life um, at that time. And that's where the detrimental life situation happened when (laughs) I was in the military. That's what took you to your knees and asked for help. Yeah. um, It was... uh, I mean, being in the military, it's a federal organization. And so when you get, I guess, in trouble, it's dealt federally and not by Uh the state. And so I was in some trouble (laughs) and uh, I was worried about, you know, I I know the rules in that state. It was a no tolerance state. And, you know, I was looking at three felonies, $30,000 a bill. And if that would have handled federally, I would have been in the prison uh, black and white, picking rocks with a pickaxe. Uh-huh. So I was like, well, that was my chance. I, I mean, you know, it's over for me. I screwed it up, and, like, what did I do, you know? Like, I didn't even... Yeah, that 20-year plan you had setting out, right. now it's all gone. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, the miracle happened, and I got out. I had a misdemeanor. I got out for $900 bell instead of 30000 and um, it was just such an easy process. I didn't even have to go to court. Um, the only time I had to, I stepped foot inside, uh, the court building and just, I think signed a paper from my attorney and then went back home. Yeah. I never dealt with anything and such an easy process. Uh, did you just get caught with some weed or what was it? Yeah. I was, uh, traveling across state lines with five pounds. With five pounds. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a little bit better than just spoken behind the... It's behind the shack or something like yeah, that. But, yeah. you know, it's so funny when it comes to not just marijuana per se, but when it comes to drugs in general, I have a very, I don't think it's necessarily bizarre or strange. I think when you talk to some people, it is. But for me, I think it's really asinine that we legalize or that we criminalize any drugs, any substances. Right. I don't think there's any difference between, you know, like nicotine from cigarettes or alcohol or these other drugs that we that are legal i don't think there's any different between the ones that we somehow criminalize and make illegal so yeah i think it's asinine well when you look at the aspects in comparison of you know marijuana and you know how many studies and medical studies they've done for treatments of medical marijuana even if it's just the cbd oils Mm -hmm. that help you know treat cancer or um what is it like parkinson's or Uh People that have, you know, 200 seizures a day can be taken down to like once a week or something like something yeah, crazy like that. Yeah, there's a lot like of that. benefits to that medical marijuana. And so when you look at aspects like that of marijuana and the the illegalization of it compared to GMOs even, it's like our foods and our shelves are stocked full of these chemicals or these drugs. And it's like, well, drugs, I mean, when you break it down, it's all a chemical composition mm-hmm. of compiled chemicals. Yeah, and so, something. So, and then you think about, you know, what did GMOs do and the chemicals that we're putting into our body, but they allow that. And then, so this was another database, you know, that I, <laughs> I dove into is, you know, how, how the world works and who's, who's the one running it because it was just so 
so far out for me to understand. I'm like, how how is this working? And how are people just so like submitting to this? I'm like, you know, I want to go out in the streets and riot and yeah, be like, it's no. been going on for hundreds of years, though. Right. I mean, it's kind of the way our society has been run and operated. And it's just it's the accepted norm. But it's I think it's changing and I think it needs to change and I think it will change. Definitely. It's just a matter of can we hang in there long enough without destroying the damn planet before we get <laughs> to that point. Right. Um, you mentioned earlier to Indigo um, and Indigo children or what are some of the other names that people use for them like star seeds and yeah and and there's uh see and that's the thing like i said with the age of aquarius it's it's the age of knowledge and the age of information and so there's so much information out there Mm -hmm. um and there's so many perceptual concepts of what terminology is being used um see i like that perceptual Uh, perceptual concepts Mm -hmm. because I think it does come down to the individual person and the way they perceive it right as opposed to uh, we're not labeling we're not classifying anything it's really how it is for you and your experience yeah so tell me what you think or what you would classify like would you classify yourself in the same I, I hate labels and I hate using them, but it's almost like the only, until we come up with a better way to discuss it that the vast majority of people will understand. Um, but would you classify yourself as like an indigo child? Yeah. Um, so what does that mean to the person out there that has no idea what the hell that is? So an indigo child or an indigo in our tradition, soul type is, so when the spirit comes into the body, this is a, this is a deep, uh, esoteric teaching as we well. We can get deep. Um, <laughs> So the special thing about humans is we do have a soul. Uh-huh. And so this is what I feel like is a missed uh, concept of the perceptual reality of creation and why we're here and everything like that. Um, so when we're born, the spirit comes into the body and at the first breath, we um, have we it creates a soul, a third aspect. Mm-hmm. Before this life, it depends on uh, the evolution um, that you need or you're seeking and every every person or personal scenario is different pertaining to your spirit lineage and where you've been throughout creation right um, um, for me per se we will use an example um, as a master soul type that means um, see, and I'll, I'll probably talk about a lot of unfamiliar things that I'd have to spend a lot of time expressing <laughs> be a so, four-hour podcast yeah um, <laughs> So, but if for being a master soul type and a short explanation is I mastered myself in another universe of creation and I'm here to master myself again and teach others while I do that. Uh-huh. And um, so since I have that type and this is like what I'm kind of here to do, I choose a soul color to express through um, because the soul takes all the attributes in the lineage or the signature or blueprint of your spirit and that's what you're expressing into the physical world through the body of the vehicle, the vehicle that's the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since I have these specific attributes, I chose indigo to express through because it's going to best fit my evolution and like what I'm here to do and my expression of that. Being DNA activated, and this is more unique, I'll have two soul colors. So I'll be indigo and gold soul. So that would be uh, like a master magician and a teacher, which was be would be the gold soul. So when you get DNA activation and you're fully activated, 
some soul colors will change, like I was saying earlier. Um, and it has its own set of colors, whether it depends on like what your gifts are, like what you're here to do, what is your expression in the physical world. Um, now, DNA activation, is that something that happens uh, primarily after you're here on this planet in this experience, or is it something that can happen prior to coming here? Um, it is something here. Um, it is something after you're born um, with the DNA. And so we've had access to the 22 strand, which would be 12 strands of your DNA that can be activated. And this was King Solomon about 3,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, since then, people have tried to gain access to the 24, the full activation, but there hasn't been enough light on the planet to be able to sustain the 24 activation. Uh -huh. And I can't remember the exact dates. I want to say 2008 is when there was enough light on the planet for us to be fully activated. And it is a physical activation. It's not remote, it's not, and it's only through this lineage because this is where the 24, the full activation got handed down to. There is a lot of modalities that people consider to be DNA or light body activations. And they do the work, but when I say full activation, so the way you can, I guess, visualize it is is a there's a 12 story apartment and in each story there's 12 apartments and so the most advanced or even the other modalities that work with dna activation are going to mainly work on the first story mm -hmm. and maybe get you know a few apartments in that story lit up so they're going to have the first story there it's lit up but then a few apartments will be lit up and this is what would be like the codons or the spots of our dna um and when you get 24 strand DNA activation, all 12 stories are lit up and all 12 apartments on each story is lit up. So you have a full activation. And kind of what it means is... I was going to say, describe what happens when your DNA gets activated or what that... Okay. You know, what does that mean for the person? So as a spirit and a signature of who you are and like higher self mm -hmm. um, terminology, I guess... You have coding, and so your coding it is DNA light code before it comes physical. But when you're born, you're born into the human matrix and everything like that. And so the way I guess I perceive it and I explain it is those stories in those apartments are like gates. Um, when that light code comes in, it stops at those gates. And so when we do DNA activation, you activate those gates and shine light code into it which allows your signature, your blueprint, your higher self and all that coding to flow through all those gates into your DNA and then out to the physical world, which allows for your fullest potential as a human being. Um, it actually creates a new race of human beings because so as creation or the creator envisioned us to be as a human being or as a being in this physical experience, mm -hmm. There was a prototype, um, per se, an atom or whatever was supposed the first man that was the seed of human beings. And so in our tradition, this uh, Archangel Mikael was the prototype and brought down that prototype and then created the seed of Adam, which is us, the human beings. But as our stage of evolution, we have to go through those seven stages that he descended through with that archetype to ascend back to that divine aspect. 
So we almost have to create that prototype of what God or the creator envisioned us to be as human beings. Um, and it's in correlation with the light body. Um, and the light body is something that we manifest. Um, I think there is a lot of misconceptions of light body with being the astral body or it's our body of light or spirit body or yeah. um, it's something that we have to manifest. And it's like your ascension vehicle. It's the Merkaba, the light vehicle. And the DNA activation, the full DNA activation will actually activate that for you. And so you'll have the light body. It's called, We call it the Adam Kadmon in our tradition. Universally, there's different names. There's the rainbow body, the supra celestial body, but it's just that aspect. It doesn't matter how we define it. It's that. And is that the aspect that you would use to travel throughout like space and time? Or what is the purpose of that aspect? You know, what is the purpose of your light body? Um, if okay. it's something that you have to manifest into your space. Mm -hmm. So the purpose of the light body is the unification of your higher self and your lower self. And we describe the lower self as like your personality. So it's more of like the, um, it's kind of like your organic being, the lineage <clears throat> that you're born into and how you perceive reality, your personality, everything that you learn from being born, that's like your lower self, that's your personality. Your mm -hmm. higher self is like your spirit signature. It's your divine blueprint and <clears throat> to manifest it and a big um, part of evolution is to unite those aspects into one evolved being so they're not i guess separate um, and it allows for a unified aura as well um, the teachings of the masters of how they bilocate or they're telepathic or they manifest instantly is because of that light body and the unified aura um, in our aura, we have, <clears throat> excuse me, seven layers within our aura, and then we have seven layers in each side of the one layer. Um, I don't know what that adds up to, but just <laughs> that's a lot of layers. <laughs> yeah, so just seven layers, and and within each one layer, there's seven more layers, uh -huh. and then within those seven layers, I'll do the math. That's two hundred and fifty-six layers. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, and that in that first layer with those seven layers, we have mental, emotional, and physical in those layers. And part of our evolution is to, you know, work on our mental, you know, our mental processing and how we process things as well as emotional, you know, our emotional baggage that we carry. Um, a lot of our evolution is working on these aspects to heal our emotions, to heal our baggage, basically. Um, and what the unified aura is, it, it's, it, dissolves those layers and so what why how the masters can bilocate and do all these magical things is because they have their energy they have more access to their energy and it's not being held up in those layers it doesn't have the blocks anymore in place exactly and so um talk about because i wanted to ask you you're talking about atlantean or atlantis that's what the is the mystery school or school of mystery is stemming from correct that culture so that's really interesting. And first off, because a lot of this, Connor, a lot of people could look at this, listen to this, think about this stuff. And obviously we're just two nut jobs sitting in some room <laughs> somewhere talking about some crazy shit that doesn't make any sense to anybody. Right. But it's really, I mean, the cool thing about the podcast is it gives everybody an opportunity to think about things in a different way, look at things differently. And it's not like 
your belief system is my belief system or vice versa. Or we're trying to convince anybody of anything. Right. It's really just giving people the opportunity to think about something differently. And so let's talk about Atlantis. Um, some people may know absolutely nothing about it. Some people may know a little bit. Some people may think it's just some myth of some legend or something that some mysterious island out there in the middle of nowhere that, you know, may or may not have existed. But right. tell me a little bit about what you think it is, your belief system surrounding it. Like I was saying with the Atlanteans, they weren't the human race. And so our tradition, um, I teach a class of the history of mystery schools, which helps better explain the lineage and uh -huh. the process and a little bit more about Atlantis. Um, but basically, universally, there's teachings that, you know, um, angels or gods taught to us these sacred metaphysical or teachings that, you know, religions are based off of. Mm -hmm. And um, it comes down to um, before the Atlanteans, there were beings here that, you know, ascended back into oneness before us and them. And our oversoul, our logos, which is the sun, kind of appointed, but there were those, so there, so of those beings that ascended back into oneness before us, there were some of them that were willing to stay behind to help us evolve. And the oversoul, the sun, picked out who those beings would be. And so in the Atlanteans, and that's what kind of first started the mystery schools was that aspect. And those beings would descend into physical matter and teach the Atlanteans these sacred teachings in the inner temples. And you're saying the Atlanteans aren't human necessarily. They weren't Correct. like the human race. They were just some prior um, civilization or culture or being that was present on this planet prior to us. Correct. Okay. And, and they come from the, the same lineage as us. So they're basically our brothers and, or sisters. Uh -huh. um, it's that same lineage of like Mikael or Lilith. It's that Lilith lineage. Um, so we come from the same lineage, but we're not the same race, if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. Um, it's us and chimpanzees or apes. Right. Well, even in just like with, you know, humans that are non-DNA activated and humans that are DNA activated, uh, the DNA activation becomes the 13th root race, mm -hmm. um, which is a different race than just the human race. Even though, you know, like how similar, I mean, you were human and then now you're still human, but a different race in a sense. Evolved. Yeah. Um, and so within those inner temples, they got those teachings and then they had an outer temple that they would go to as well. And then from that outer temple, it would go to the king and queen of Atlantis to the public people. So the king and queen of those times actually answered to the inner initiates in the inner temples um, because that's where the connection was sourced. And um, that's basically where the first start of mystery schools from our traditions, from the library of order um, is taught. I hope that answers the Atlantis. It does. It does. I mean, the fact is this stuff is really dense. Like you've right. got a lot of information here and a lot of stuff to kind of think about and comb over and go through. And I mean, that's why it's good to study. That's why it's good to look into this stuff if it inter interests you because there, there's a lot there. Right. I want to make, I, I want you to simplify it. So if we think about all of this information that you have, this uh, way of living this, um, I don't like the word, I shouldn't say I don't like the word religion, I don't like the term or the label religion, but essentially this is kind of your belief system and the way that you're moving through your life now. Um, simplify it. 
So in layman's terms, or even just in simpler terms of what does all of that information mean for you on a daily basis? Because I think a lot of times when I think about crazy cosmic shit and the stuff that I believe in, it's really not bizarre and out there, but it's really deep and convoluted and it has a ton of layers and different angles and perceptions to it. But for me, it just boils down to really simple stuff like love and joy and happiness and just kind of moving through life that way. Right. And that expands into this big, huge, beautiful picture. So make your or explain your stuff or your belief system in a way that's just kind of, you know, simple and easy. Like how do you incorporate it every day? Basically just how I perceive um, philosophy, which is the explanation or the content or data that kind of explains the process of creation and life as we know it, why we're here, what we're doing, why are we doing it. And do you think you have an understanding of that? Maybe not necessarily the definitive answer, but do you have an understanding that you feel comfortable with as far as why we're here and what we're doing here? Yeah. Um, what would that be? Why the hell are we here, Connor? Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's the question right there. Yeah. And the uh, one I've been asking for 22 20, almost 23 years now. Um, evolution, you know, plain and simple. And Do you think terms. we're evolving as an individual or is evolving as a higher consciousness combined together? Both. Um, uh, that's part of the uni uh, teaching of unity, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, we all have our own signature, which allows us to experience, I guess, duality or another or the mirror, right? Um, if we were all the same and everything was oneness, there would be no perceptual view of something else. Um, so I think it is, you know, your own signature, your own your own journey of evolution, as well as that contribution into our mass consciousness or, you know, within that evolution of all. So not only the evolution of our humans or the human family, um, evolution as creation as a whole. It's interesting. It's like, do you find yourself just sitting around thinking all this deep shit all the time? Oh, that's all I do. <laughs> as soon as I wake till I go to bed. Yeah. Um, let's change a little bit because I know that you create stuff and I want to talk to you about that, the organized okay. stuff that you create. So tell me about that, how that came into being. Honestly, I don't even remember uh, how it came to me. Uh, one day just popped up, honestly. I mean, yeah, I mean, I just can't remember. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I started researching it, what it is is Organite, we'll tell you there. Just yeah, that's so you a good can, place to start. Um, it's called Organite, and William Reich um, was the creator of it or the founder of what he calls Orgone Energy. In our tradition, we know it to be etheric and um, or ether. Um, but there's different, like I said, perceptual concepts of terminology, uh -huh. and so it's a very fine line of what aspect you're talking about, whether it be energy or the substance between matter and energy. Mm -hmm. The And so anyways, William Reich, um, he founded this energy orgone and he studied it and studied it. He even found that he was, he was able to use equipment to read energy. Um, so he would put his hand far away from the equipment and then the closer he brought the the readings got stronger and so i don't know all of the studies he does i can't remember now uh -huh. um 
but basically he just found out that you know there's that underlying energy field to all things in creation um whether it be living or not and so he created uh, what is called an accumulator, and it's a box that has specific materials between inorganic and organic material. And what it does is it's taking um, negative stagnant energy, what he called deadly orgone energy, and it transmutes it into positive orgone energy, which would be that life force, prana, chi. Um, and so he would use clients and he would have clients with medical issues illnesses and ailments and he would put them inside the box for say 30 minutes three times a week or a set schedule and he would uh, record their results and the process of if anything happened or if nothing happened and he did find that people started um, increasing beneficially in their in their progress of healing just from this and having access to more of that energy from being in that box correct kind yeah. of expedited their healing process mm -hmm. and i wouldn't say cure by any means but there was definitely results that showed there was movement in the progress of mm -hmm. their illness and he also created a thing called the chem buster and this is a little more woo woo far out that's a cool name though Right, yeah, and, and this is, I, I mean, it super intrigued me when I was researching all this. I'm like, no way, you yeah. know, because I know about chemtrails and all the, you know, all that stuff going on. And so when I found this, I was like, no way, you know, I was skeptical. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a really big skeptic, you know, I mean, I have to go through my own inner process, you know, and that was the seed back when I was talking about the seed within me, you uh -huh. know. I never knew it was that, but I had to go through that. And I was like, oh, okay, I had to check in. Yeah, it's your bullshit detector. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, there was still some skepticism, but I want I wanted to try it and figure it out for myself. And and so anyways, about the chem buster, it was almost like an artillery-looking machine. You know, the old school artillery is where you use the crank and uh -huh. it's moving and has these big cannon-looking things he would hook it up to a pond or a water source and he would use that and he would either take down clouds or make clouds bigger. He could do either or. And one farmer, and I don't remember where, um, asked him if he would take that machine and come out because he's had a drought for so long and he's a farmer. So he was at his last resort and he's like, well, I'll try it out. And so he ended up going there and I think he was there for two or three days or a few days and till, um, some of the changes started happening within the weather and then two guys in black suits and a black vehicle that was unmarked showed up and then took him away. And I don't know if it was his grandson or his son that was with him and just basically took him away and he was in prison basically until he died. Um, What's this guy's name again? William Reich. And how long ago was that? Like, was that back in the 40s and 50s? Or? Uh, I'm not so good with dates. Uh-huh. It, it was a while back. I don't know if I, it was the 80s or 50s to 70s. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But um, the government ended up ordering all of his research that he had been working on to be burned. And some of his students, he had followers at that time, other people studying under him. And mm -hmm. he had like an organization per se that everyone would gather and they would study this and learn all about it. Um, and some of his students illegally kept some of his research and ended up 
keeping it and furthering on that progression of orgone study and everything like that. So orgone, right? Orgone, O-R-G-O-N-E. Orgone. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it actually a physical substance or is it something that is like esoteric and related to like energy and kind of out there that we can't necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it sounded like he found ways to test it and, right. you know, acknowledge the fact that it was there or is it an actual physical substance? Um, as far as like how I perceive it is that it's, it's a substance, but it's not necessarily physical, like with etheric mm-hmm. in our teachings, it's the substance between matter and energy. Okay. Um, it's the underlying force or energy that is the precursor to physical matter. And so I'm not sure if his studies, I guess, better well describes what he um, perceives about that energy. Okay. And then, so how, how does that relate to what you make? Because I've seen some of your shit and it's cool. It's neat <laughs> stuff. Like, what is it that you're doing in that process? Um so one of the people that studied under him, he ended up creating that matrix, which is organite. And that's what I make. And it's a matrix of resin, crystals, metals, and other energetic properties. As you know, as an energy specialist, I add, you know, other astrological or other energetic properties that I seem to be fitting for whatever piece that I'm making at that uh-huh. time. And um it's the same same structural um mechanics as I guess the accumulator it's the materials of inorganic and organic materials and so as organite as that matrix that resin matrix it has that those layers and that process which takes in energy deadly energy that's stagnant and around which is harmful which is um it's you know basically the opposite of prana chi life force energy that etheric field it's you know what takes um, energy from us that takes that life, which, which just isn't really good, and it transmutes it into orgone energy or prana chi life force, and um, it produces negative ions as well, um, like Himalayan salt lamps. If anyone out there is familiar with those, yeah. <laughs> um, if not, I mean, so to get into the physics of it so within atoms there's protons neutrons and electrons and you know as the particles of the atom and or the energy um excuse me and so the electrons are the negative charge of the atom and the protons are the positive charge and although it is positive it's not necessarily beneficial um so the positive takes in that charge is taking in the negative charge is putting out and so within the cells of our bodies, um, it's called um, oxidation, uh, wh- which is why we age. And so our cells within our bodies loses that negative charge, which is the charge that we kind of need. It's that output. It's that force, that charge. And it starts, since it doesn't have access to that charge, it starts stealing the electrons from other cells within our body, which slowly over time we degrade. And um, so having an abundant source of negative ions in your atmosphere or your surroundings or your environment is beneficial Um, because things like, um, you know, electronics, technology, washers and dryers, for instance, produce positive ions, which takes more of our charge away. 
from ourselves and from our environment. Uh-huh. Um, we do have natural sources of abundant negative ions in places, which would be like waterfalls, things like that. When the water crashes and hits like that, it produces negative ions. That's why they do say having, you know, like a little waterfall or a water, a running water source in your house is good for energy because it's cycling those ions. Yeah. And that's what keeps that energy balance, which feels good. And, you know, you have more energy. You don't feel lethargic or just out of energy, lazy, don't want to do anything. Yeah. Um, as well as it protects against those, um, the electromagnetic radiations of cell phones, computers, Wi-Fi signals, microwaves, things like that. It, it protects against uh, those radiations as well as the radio frequency uh, radiation as well. That's just out there everywhere. Um, I want to ask you, how do you see energy? You personally, like how do you see it? Um, I know that, I mean, that is probably not a weird question for you. Do you know what I mean? But somebody out there, what the hell is he talking about? How do you see energy? <laughs> but how do you personally see energy? Although being colorblind is something to work with. With Are you colorblind? Yeah. <laughs> uh, during my military test of uh, getting into the military, out of 14, um, I guess, slots of test the the test they would you know can you see this number inside these colored dots or whatever uh-huh. out of 14 of those i missed i think 12 or 13 and so my dad in my whole life argued with me you're not colorblind you're not colorblind and i'm like i'm colorblind my mom thinks i'm <laughs> colorblind we argue about color all the time uh-huh. and then uh that test sure enough shut him up and so <laughs> So it's different being, uh, and I still see color. And so uh, a lot of my life, it's been interesting to see, you know, perceptual realities of how we relate things just by terminology. Mm -hmm. And um, so when you ask seeing energy, I think that's part of the process as well. My perceptual view of what something is compared to how you identify with it. Um, But I see it, you know, energy as in color. Um, Sometimes you can almost feel feel it it's almost like sensual yeah um and so also light and dark is um something that i also see as well something that is lighter more airy tends to be better rather than stuck dark and dense and sluggish yeah um yeah i mean just basically that's that's it i mean within the gifts of spirit you have you know clairsentience which is feeling clairaudience which is hearing Mm -hmm. and clairvoyance which is seeing and um that i think that correlates with energy and and more than just being able to see it as well um well talk about those do you feel like you have some of those as well that you experience some of those feeling so clairvoyance and clair sentience which is seeing and feeling are probably my more dominant ones Mm -hmm. kind of your two strongest yeah clairaudience is it's in the background. Um, I feel like my mental processing is a little too much in the way. Yeah. Um, I'm a dominant air element, which is intellectual content, data, um, obviously relates to the logical side. Uh-huh. Um, and I think as males, we are more left-brained. Um, don't hold me to that. But uh, <laughs> for me, I think that's the case. And so uh, my logical, mental, intellectual processing and data gets in the way of me being able to tune that out and actually hear guidance or 
what's actually going on. But normally I'll see it, you know, visually either via third eye or just feeling it. I don't know necessarily uh, where that feeling comes from, but it's just See, that's that... a hard thing to describe is the feeling associated with energy. Because right. when you work with somebody, even not necessarily like with a client or somebody, but even just in your own space, whether it be... I mean, you could be <clears throat> living your everyday life and have an experience. It doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, when you're meditating or in a dream or something like that. But it's a hard concept to explain is a lot of times I think that vibration that it comes in on and that frequency mm -hmm. is emotion and is feeling. And it's really difficult to explain because it, it'll just kind of wash over you and shit just feels different. Right. And so, I don't know, I struggle in my own space sometimes interpreting that and what that feeling is. And I struggle when it comes to explaining it to people, you know, they're like, well, how do you see energy or how do I learn how to work with my own energy and my own stuff and my own space? And I'm like, well, it really boils down to feeling. Yeah. <laughs> like you got to really become a master of your emotion and feeling because then you're going to have a better radar and a better sense of what's going on around you so that you can pick up on the subtle changes of the shifting vibration of all this different stuff that exists. Right. Well, and I think once you start tuning into that feeling, you start to notice that feeling is tied to seeing this type of energy and how it's flowing or how it's working. You're like, oh, so that's what that is. Yeah. And I think it's almost just a knowing too. Um, and that, I think that's part of why it's so hard to explain. And I think that's why there's so much contradiction even with religions and like so many cultures trying to define God or source energy but to define it is to create something else it's to create that concept that perceptual view of what god is and as soon as you do that you've created something so you've gotten away from true source it's no longer source it's now created mm -hmm. and so same thing with a feeling um i feel like it comes from that that knowing that just that intelligence and it's hard to describe because it's just there and it's just like how is it there? But it is. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe in God, in a singular God? Um, and, and that is such a touchy subject. I feel like um, God has been... Misused, misrepresented, yeah. abused. And I think there's so many conceptual views and perceptions of what God is as a definition or... Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that there is some singular thing that we all stem from and are still connected to yes and what in your space in your mind do you call that thing ah uh, see that that goes super deep with without any like precursor information <laughs> um. well lucky for us that whole podcast hasn't been deep by any means <laughs> we've just been talking about you know everyday shit here um i mean yeah i guess layman's terms and simplest terms yeah god is the easiest way to i guess reference to it because everyone kind of knows is that is like oh the big guy or, well like in your own head what do you call it I mean, I say God just to keep it simple, but I mean, Ensof, I mean, more esoteric or occult knowledge, it would be Ensof. Ensof? Ensof. I've never heard that before. What's um, that? It's referenced from Kabbalah okay. and Hermetics. Um, it's the universal teachings or the universal philosophy. It's basically the key. It's a huge master key for creation. Um, I highly suggest it, not trying to put my personal... Um, uh, to influence you by any means. Mm -hmm. But for me, Kabbalah is definitely uh, a life-changing aspect to have. And it just comes from the negative veils and it's the process of creation. Yeah, super. 
esoteric to try and find words to express without. Well, let me tell you. So like in my space, in my own stuff, okay, I, didn't, I, I grew up religious in the sense of a small town here in Utah. So, of course, there's the LDS church and that religion. Um, but we never really um, was I baptized. Yeah. What did I go to church? Yeah. But I could give a shit less about it. And it was never really that important to me or my family or our life. And so then growing up, I kind of seek out and find my own stuff and kind of come to my own understanding of why we're here, all that kind of stuff, all those big questions. But for me personally, um, I think that that's why it's the Energy is Love podcast. I think we all stem from the same source of energy. And that's just some big ass ball of energy spinning out there somewhere in the universe. And that's what everybody's connected to. That's what everybody stems from. That's what everything is made of. That's the space in between the spaces is just that energy. And that energy is just love. And so if I'm ever referencing anything in my own head or when I'm talking to people or anything like that, typically I'll just refer to it as the universe because that's an easier way of right. for me to understand and label it. And so it's not necessarily God or goddess or male or feminine or a singular thing or a higher purpose or anything like that. I think I am the same source of energy that we all stem from. Right. And so that's my belief. Now, tell me what yours is. Try to make it simple, easier. Break it down a little bit. We got somebody out there listening and God knows where. Well, not God. Universe knows where. <laughs> but he's not going to understand what the hell we're talking about. Right. Um <clears throat> And so the thing I find just to start off with is, you know, when we talk about that God or source energy or truth even mm -hmm. is what I, I kind of liken it to is the truth is one but goes by many names. And it's just like there are many rivers but all lead to the sea. Um, universally, we have different ways of describing the one truth. doesn't mean any one particular culture is right. I don't ever claim to be right. Oh, for sure. Um there's probably always a better way of explaining the philosophical, philosophical, sorry, it's a tongue twister for me every time I say it. <laughs> I like um, philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> so did my friend when I said it, he laughed too. Um, the philosophical metaphysics of, you know, creation and there's always going to be a better way, I feel like, to explain. I feel like that's part of the process of evolution is being able to evolve and consciously come into awareness of the mechanics of creation. Um, and a lot of times there's a loss for words because, you know, there's really no words when you get down to that knowing, that pure intelligence, that mm -hmm. pure energy that, you know, everything derives from within how we perceive things. We yeah. can't speak for everyone else, but... Um, it's the same 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 thing that you're talking about. It's just different um, from how I perceive it. It's just a different mechanical structure. There's more components that come from the terminology of, you know, per se even God, goddess, or God, or source energy. All of those are different aspects to me. Yeah. Um, because within Kabbalah or in how I understand the philosophical part of creation is, you know, I mean, there's a God of this world, of the physical world, and that's the one we sign our contract with before coming physical. Um, and that contract would be your life purpose, per mm -hmm. se, you know, what you're here to do, why you're here. Um, he's the God over that. And it is he. When we, when there's a lot of religious texts or things that refer to he, there's, you know, aspects that they're referring to. Yeah. Um, 
not all the time everyone you know some some come from the you know the male side of like you know women came from a man's rib or Uh (laughs) whatever whatever they're talking about um so you kind of just got to be careful of finding what that person's intent is when they're talking about these aspects um and there's also the god goddess aspect which we call elohim and people can find that in religious texts as well Um, we refer to them as creator gods and those are how I was talking about the sun as our oversoul and the logos of, you know, our solar system, we have Elohim, creator gods. There's a council of seven that create this world that we're in. And that's part of our evolution is to evolve to that extent where we can become part of a team that creates worlds. Um, that's, you know, part of our evolution that we have the potential to be is God-like. We can never be the God, which people talk about God as in like the holy, almighty, the wholeness or source energy, you know. And like you say, you can't define it. Well, that's because it's uncreated, like I was talking about earlier. And that's the aspect when you talk about like the, like God or like the ultimate or the holiness of everything is that uncreated source energy which is that pure intelligence. It's that knowing, it's that uh, substance that comes, you know, that creates everything. You don't think we can be that? No, because you can't be, you know, does that make, so like- It makes sense. Like I was talking uh, with that duality or whatever, if everything was just that oneness, there was no differentiates, mm-hmm. you would not be able to experience that. Um, well, think about it this way, because this is the way I think about it is I think we are that source of energy and I think we are this at the exact same moment. So I don't think there's a past or a present. I think there's, or a past or a a future or a past. There is just the present, there is just now. And so at this exact same moment in time, I'm here sitting before you talking in this form and this energy. And then I'm also part of that source energy that is spinning out there somewhere in the cosmos on some other side of the universe or universes and we can be present in all those things at all the exact same moment. So I am that source energy because a part of me is there and a part of me is here. And that's how expansive it is because it's not just me, it's you, it's everything. It's the chairs we're sitting on, the table that we're sitting at. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's all of it. And well, and the, I guess where I'm talking about is like you can't be that because you can't be you. Because when you, that is where we are sourced. And that is when we take away and we strip every aspect of ourselves down to its source, that's Uh what we are. Uh But to say that we are or that you are is to be something. So you can't be that something if we're talking about the wholeness, the uncreated aspect. Does that make sense? Yes, but my brain is hurting. (laughs) (laughs) See, I love that. I love getting into all these like, oh, there's too many layers. Yeah. It's inception where we've gone six deep and now we got to find our way back out. Right. <laughs> and the, I mean, the way I, I kind of liken it to that helps the process is like when you talk about you, you're talking about when you get down to even the essence, you break away from personality, you break away from this body as your identification of, oh, I am Connor Rockhill from this family lineage. This is my grandpa. This is my ancestry. When you break away from all of that, I think you get to your signature, more aspects of your spirit, which is the blueprint of the you that we talk about or the I am, you know, the I am that I am. That is that coding or it's that um, signature 
of you. And when you talk about you, that's the true you. That is the you. But when you strip that you-ness away that you come from, you are no longer you. You are the wholeness. But you you aren't, if that makes sense. It does make sense. It makes sense. It's to hard me. to describe. It is words. hard to describe. <laughs> you know, but I absolutely love it. I love getting lost out there in the universe and all these different thoughts. And I think that's the important part sometimes of just existence is not right. just questioning, but searching and reaching outside of the box and thinking about things in a different way. And, you know, I think that's important because I think that that process alone, what we've been doing right now, sitting here chatting with each other, I think it creates a vibration that helps elevate and raise vibration. And so I think that's very important to do. Completely. And I'm grateful for you in this opportunity <laughs> to do so. Well, thank you so much, Connor. Uh, before we get done here, throw out all your stuff. So where can everybody find you, find your stuff, and figure out how to contact you? Okay. So again, my name is Connor Rockhill, and that's spelled K-O-N-O-R. Very odd spelling. Thank my dad for that one. <laughs> and then Rockhill, R-O-C-K-H-I-L-L. And you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash elevations. And then you can find more about me and what I'm doing and uh, more about the what's available, I guess, through me and the, this outlet and the lineage is uh, spiritelevations.com. S-P-I-R-I-T-E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N-S. And also you can find my Organite products as well on that spiritelevations.com. Just go to the products page and it's just right down there. And you're selling stuff. People can get on there and buy stuff from Correct. anything like that. Yep. Uh, I am selling stuff, although uh, I ask for a little forgiveness. I do need to keep things more updated. I am, have my stuff still all over the place. So um, I'll do my best. Just contact me and uh, if there's any problems or uh, any questions or would like to get in touch. So, And that's the easiest way too to kind of keep up to date, like especially Facebook. I see all your stuff on Facebook, all the classes that you guys are hosting and all the different things and events you'll be at and everything, right? Right. Yep. So Facebook. And as well, if you're in another country, another state, um, we are a global organization. And so I'm not the only one that's linked up to this lineage um, and can offer you these things and these teachings as well. And there are people that have been more practiced and have been doing this for a lot longer, probably for as long as I've been alive. So <laughs> if you have any questions about would like to get in touch with any of those people, I can definitely make that happen no matter where you're at in the world. Sweet. So. Yeah, yeah, we are being downloaded and listened to. Last time I checked, it was like 18 different countries. So Yeah, okay. So that's really cool. Well, thank you so much, Connor. I appreciate you coming on the show. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. I know it was some crazy, bizarre shit at times, but <laughs> that's the good stuff to talk about. That's what makes me happy. So everybody go out there and have a beautiful, wonderful day and go find Connor's stuff and look him up because he's got some really amazing stuff. So thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Marijuana, the drugs, the psychedelics, be a third eye, the age of knowledge and the age of information, the age of Aquarius. You get me out of this, I'm yours.